Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. And today, my episode is actually something different. Just last week, I came up with this idea that perhaps I could start holding these Google Hangout on-air sessions where I interview different independent filmmakers and just ask them what they're struggling with in terms of marketing and building an audience and whatnot. And so I called it Film Marketing Fridays. And we just had our first one this past Friday. And so what I'll do is every week I'll just post up on audio form um, the outcome of that uh, interview session or that hangout session. And I'm hoping it takes off that we get a lot of filmmakers that come in and we could have a real discussion and try to apply real-world um, techniques and processes to help each filmmaker with their struggles. Anyhow, it was kind of fun. There were some technical difficulties, of course. Uh, Google Hangout on air. There's a lot of just little weird things that kind of pop up you got to get used to. But um, I think we'll get rolling here in the next few weeks. So before you enjoy this very lengthy, in-depth interview session where we go through some uh, techniques and processes for uh, this independent filmmaker, uh, Bojan Dubulik. Um, he'll, he'll pronounce his name better than I will. Like always, you can get yourself a free gift at freegearguide.com. And this is an equipment list of everything that I use to make a feature film with no crew. And that, again, is at freegearguide.com. And now that we've taken care of that, we can get on with the very first Film Marketing Friday session. So if you want to participate in a live uh, Hangout event with us, on every Friday, Film Marketing Fridays, just go over to filmtrooper.com and you'll see a little section on the bottom that says join our community. It's a Google Plus community. And you'll get all the details from there. Or by getting your free gift at freegearguide.com, you'll be part of the email list and I'll send out a notification every week so you can be part of it. Anyhow, so here we are. Let's get on with it and enjoy this very first Film Marketing Fridays here on the Film Trooper Podcast. So we're live. Let's just get on with it. Um, how do you pronounce your name, um, Boyan? Uh, Boyan. Boyan Dulabik. Boyan Dulabik. Yeah. Boyan Dulabik. <laughs> Not the easiest. I'm fully aware. Don't worry. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I have to pronounce it the way you pronounce it. So I give you like a bastardized version of your own name. So it's like Bo- Boyan Dulabik. <laughs> I've heard worse. I've heard worse. You're doing very well. <laughs> All right, good. So, um, you know... The idea behind Film Trooper is to try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. And I, when I really want to emphasize the word help, it's not necessary. It's not necessarily I have any any and all answers. But in the past few years, I've been trying to apply um, basic business online strategies and uh, online marketing strategies and see how it can be bridged with independent film. So the concept of this uh, Film Marketing Fridays is sort of just get into um, – Helping you know others you know at least maybe think some think differently about their particular film project or help answer any questions that, if I can. So you shot me some questions yesterday, so yeah. why don't you go ahead and ask sort of the first one? Sure. Um, yeah. So you know there's so many um, um, groups out there in communities um, you know related to filmmaking and all that kind of stuff, and sometimes it just gets very overwhelming in terms of what community should you join and interact with and all that. Obviously, you know, it's difficult to join all of them. So I was just kind of wondering, how do you go about that? How do you choose? Uh, and, um, 
you know, what are your thoughts about that? And do you just go with the group that has the largest following or, you know what I mean, those kinds of things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, before we get started, before we talk about the, which groups to join and stuff like that, I should probably show off, let's see if this feature works with the Google Hangout um, toolbox here. They have a thing called YouTube plugin. I should probably show everybody your movie. And if, I don't know if it's going to play like stuttery or not, but I'm just going to try to use this uh, this plugin they have here. So let's take a look at your trailer for your movie. Mm-hmm. How cool, how cool. So I'm going to shoot this over to you so they have your face. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's been a long process. Yeah, you know what? And um, I had seen the movie, um, and I was really, you know, surprised and how, you know, I was laughing at some uh, out loud on a couple of parts, and it definitely reminds me of, like, Chasing Amy, uh, Waiting, if you're into those type of comedies. And the guy who plays Jason, I have to commend him, because it's uh, that was a fine line of that particular character where either you're going to just, like, you know, hate him, because, or just not, or be disgusted by him. But he brought a lot of heart to that character as he progressed through the story, which was very, very cool. Absolutely, absolutely. And that was that was one of those difficult things that you know I set out uh, to find, right? Uh, in, when I did the casting and all that, because you know the way just it was written, there was a lot of moments where it could have just gone way just wrong, you know. <laughs> just uh, um, and uh, I, I think they both. Um, all the actors, but specifically the two lead ones, I think they all pulled it off. And, you know, it's very, um, you know, I think it's very memorable. And, yeah, there's, you know, there's raunchy parts in terms of language and just, you know, sex talk and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think there's still very, there's a lot of heart to it that they were able to bring. And, um, you know, I think it's a nice combo. But I might be biased, so. (laughs) Well, you know, you should be proud of it, you know. So that's your film, and now you're, the concept is like, okay, I've got this thing, now how do I promote it, you know, and sort of what everything that the online expert, online marketing experts tell us is that you've got to, you should be building your audience like, you know, 18 months out before you even make your film, either, or at least six months out of uh, releasing your film. And I have to attest that my own film, I didn't do that, um, just because simply I didn't think I could actually make the film. So, you know, you're not bothering people They're like, hey, I'm making this thing. So, and, but when you're done with it, what happens if you're in a situation where you made it and you don't have, you haven't built an audience yet? And so you're looking for ways to promote it. And so your question is, again, of all the different communities out there, all the different like Facebook groups, all the different uh, Google Plus, G Plus uh, communities, the Twitter hashtag, you know, sometimes actually have, there's a, there's there's some Twitter groups I forget what they call them I haven't not yet uh, participated in sort of any of the like live chat that are associated with some sort of hashtag event or something yet, but everybody has some sort of live component or interactive component around some sort of uh, topic or or subject that people are can um, gather around that have a shared interest. But I'm going to sh- switch over now. We get to see if this uh, works in the the PowerPoint presentation. All right, so you should be able to see this. Okay, so you see that, right? Yep, I see uh, the logo. All right, so I think before we even think about like what community or what group you want to do, you probably, we probably need to answer or ask the question, what is your goal? Like, you know, and my feeling is in order to join like a community or a group or anything like that, your goal is to sort of earn yourself 
and it's really important to 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 say that word earn like we're out here trying to earn a thousand true fans and that's based off that famous blog post by the uh one of the uh, what's his name it's kelly last name kelly that um from wired magazine and the concept is like all these independent artists if they can earn a thousand true fans and those thousand true fans gave each gave you know a hundred dollars to the artist a year and that's a hundred thousand dollars that an artist a filmmaker a musician whatever can to, can live off of so if we use that as a metric of that's what we're shooting for so if that's our goal the another thing is what we have to ask ourselves you know what value are we providing to these thousand true fans and that's one of the other things about online entrepreneurs and marketers they talk about a lot is like you have to provide something. You have to provide something of value to your customer base or your audience or whatnot. And so what's, that's what makes independent film somewhat difficult at times because it's not just a very clear value. It's not like an ongoing sort of like a self-help book or somebody joining to, to lose weight or a diet, a fitness program, you know. So we've got to think about how we can turn our independent film to be valuable to this hundred uh, to these thousand fan, true fans. So then, Jason Brubaker over at um, filmmakingstuff.com, and who's worked in the uh, digital distribution field and business and industry for the last ten years, um, he has this saying that you know you are not in the film business, and he has to really reiterate that. And I think every talk that he gives, he makes sure that the audience repeats after him, which is. Your audience is your business. You have your audience have no business. So we're no longer in the business of filmmaking. We are in the business of audience, of, of basically providing uh, value to an audience. That's what the main goals are. Um, yes, we can always follow up and say, hey, it's not about you. It's not about us. It's going to be about our fans. And the question is... Um, yeah, so in the end of the day, we will become servants to our fans. You know, we will become fans. So with that said, how do we earn our fans? You know, I guess that's the next question. So all this ties into your first question about what group or community that you need to go to. So let's talk, also talk about what marketing is. In the old days, or the, let's say old days, but... Um, like old television advertising or print advertising. Advertising is sort of, it's a very in, interruptive um, process. So like when we watch, a, that's why we got sick of commercials because they were always interrupting our our need to watch like a show and then became the VCR and the DVR. And so we were able to have control so not being interrupted. And then on the web, we get all these pop-up ads and it's driving us nuts or, you know, whatever it is in your magazines you get all this, these, these out of your scenes, you know, subscribe here, scripts now, all this advertising basically bombarding us being interruptive. And so now uh, it's really asking permission. So we have to, and that's sort of uh, the difference. So we're no longer being interrupted. Um, you know, we have to ask permission. And so marketing really is nothing evil about it. It's just methods of communication. So as long as we understand that our main goal is to find our thousand true fans and we have to be of service to those fans and we utilize marketing through social media 
to ask permissions and we're using figuring out ways to uh, communicate with our fans in the best possible methods. So as long as we understand that's what that is. So you know, you know, what was Facebook? Facebook was when it first started was the ultimate party. You know, that's all that Zuckerberg wanted to do was like, hey, Facebook could be the ultimate party. So marketing could become the ultimate party. If you have methods of communicating to your true fans, as long as you approach it like, hey, man, I'm, I'm bringing to the table the ultimate party. And so instead of thinking about like what groups or communities to attend or to join up with, Let's think of it. Maybe we could think a bit of as parties. So, like, hey, what parties do you want to attend? You know. So, one of the things we could do is stop hanging out at other filmmaking parties. <laughs> <laughs> so the concept there is like, filmmaking is so broad, right? And people's tastes in film are so broad. It's not. It's not like we go to, um, you know, a mute like. If we go to a music festival, sometimes it's geared to like a specific type of music, like a country music festival, a blues or a jazz festival. Um, you know, yes, film festivals kind of bring everything together, but even now there are very specific uh, film festivals that target to the sci-fi fans, the horror fans, the the more, um, you know, m maybe it's re all regional or something like that. So it's hard to advertise our films with at a filmmaking party because I don't know if you've ever been to a Hollywood party or not but those who uh, have who have attended a Hollywood party you you know what um, happens is everybody very quickly is there to go um, what do you do how can you help me you know kind of thing like that like everybody is there to suck off each other and to you know work their way up through the party to figure out who they need to be hanging out with and if you go there and you show like absolutely no interest in the um, the business, the Hollywood, you know, the industry, you'd be surprised the reactions you get. You just people be like, "Oh, you're just like a you're a school teacher? Oh, that's weird. Okay, so they'll just move on, or they'll stop and be fascinated by like a regular human being." So the concept is for our online world of not um, you don't have to engage so much in other filmmaking uh, communities or groups. Unless your film, again, unless your film provides a how-to value. And so you've already kind of created that with some of your blog posts. You know, like, hey, this is how you do, um, you know, uh, sound effects, or this is how you do small visual effects. You know, these how-to things are beneficial to that community. And you've done a good job of just showing people, like, this is how you do something, and then you tie your film into it. And that's how you sort of inadvertently, you know, advertise your film. But if we really want to build up your fan base, I think your fan base, you have to make that decision of who the, who who's that going to be. And if you talk to like Jason Brubaker, he says, you know, filmmakers are not necessarily your audience. You know, you don't want to make a film and then advertise it to other filmmakers because at film festivals, what's the first thing that happens at a film festival Q&A session? The first thing out of somebody's mouth is, what did you shoot it on and how much did it cost? <laughs> because other filmmakers are at the festival. They don't care about your film per se or what your film had to say. They were interested in how you made it. So that's why I'm saying unless your film provides enough how-to value, there's not a lot of sense in it trying to promote your film to other filmmakers at a, at a filmmaking party. So, um, so what does this ideal fan look like? So let's build one, okay? So let's build your ultimate fan for your particular your movie. Since, since we already have identified that it's, it's – 
it's in the same vein of the movie Waiting, the same vein as Chasing Amy, uh, some of these more like heartfelt, you know, raunchy comedies, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we should ask ourselves, you know, who do you think will want your film? So that's the hardest part because it can't just be everybody. And, um, oh, what happened here? Where's my uh, – oh, never mind. I think it's the next slide over. <laughs> but anyway, so let's build this ultimate fan here. Mm -hmm. So for you specifically, um, who do you think is like your ultimate fan? If you can get – like are they – are they uh, – how old are they? Oh, they're uh, age-wise still definitely younger. I mean, you know, I'd say anywhere between 16 to probably 35. I don't think older than that. Okay. That sounds right, because, you know, men don't mature that much after 35, I can attest. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, you're looking at the, the prize demographic of most advertisers, which is like the 18 to 35 bracket of males, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm assuming they're men. Predominantly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then we have identified they're men. Okay. Here's a weird one. What country do they come from? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting one, because... My movie, you know, does deal a little bit with, as you know, I am, you know, originally from Eastern Europe, so it does deal a little bit with that. But I, I still think it's probably predominantly North American. Um, although I think the story is universal that, you know, uh, really a lot of people can identify with it. So, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still North American. Mm -hmm. But it can be universal. But if we can just, if we make it more specific to just North American, that, that way you can focus your attention on, on that fan. Then you want to ask, like, you know, obviously what city do they live in? Like, is this, you know, if you say, like, every city, then you're like, okay, possibly. But if you want to narrow it down, um, your advertising. So, or like your, your maybe like you say, uh, you live in Vancouver, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, so then you maybe say, like, let me start with the the a fan base here in Vancouver. So then you've identified, like, I'm looking for guys who are, like, 18 to 35 that are men that live in Vancouver, you know. So let's just start there. It's like, okay. And then um, then you can ask this question, like, how much do they make? You know, this is this is the, uh, this is the whole con uh, census, uh, you know, checklist. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Is this the guy that has like a a um, a part time job or full time job at like a, a an audible like a servicing cars or something you know? Yeah, uh, actually in this case that's pretty much yeah the the group I guess uh, it would be people who definitely you know they're not really happy with their jobs they're not you know they're not you know uh, struggling or anything but it's it's not really um, it's your average you know. Um, working class, which you know, I'm part of, which most of us are part of. Um, okay, so, so then you got like working classing. So the cool thing is, like, if you build like what groups to go into, um, maybe there's a hangout spot where like these this specific fan like hangs out at. And then what you do is you build sort of your marketing materials to um, appease like you know s some of these things that they're interested in. But then you slide in your film, you know. So again, like, what is their social socioeconomic background? You know, you kind of as we build who this fan is, um, and this is a big one. Like, what movies, music, video games, and books do they like? You know, um, 
here's a thing I was thinking of, you know, again, like harking back to Jason Brubaker, but he had a, uh, a podcast interview with these guys who made this uh, film that was loosely based. The star of their film was that they got the licenses to highlight the next Lord of the Rings film. You know, so they, he had this the, the geek culture of these guys making a film about sort of um, playing this game, but also, but it was all revolved around this game. So they didn't have like a main star, but their star was the video game. They got the license to use it, and then what they did is they piggybacked all their marketing and advertising to within that specific video game. So something like, can you imagine if your if your movie had that opportunity where it was uh, tied to some you know, I'm, I don't know what game, like, you know, like Call of Duty or something. We'll just say that. Like, say you somehow you were able to do that. Then all the fans of that game, you can start, you know, creating marketing materials and communicating through them through through that avenue. So this here we are, like, you know, your ultimate fan would be like, well, what movies do they like, you know, and what music do they like? So if they like a certain type of music, then you can maybe find those types of groups or those types of communities, you know, and then start talking about that, that in a sense, or like maybe the musician you, you worked with that did the comp uh, composition for your movie, you know, sort of highlighting the music first or just like different ways of doing music or people might, musicians might want to know more about like how they make like the latest blog post you put out about um, sync tracks and, and making music for a film, you know, that could be geared to sort of other musicians and in that, again, that age range. And then you sort of like slide in your movie. You know what I'm saying? So, again, we're, we're building what our ultimate fan looks like and different ways that we could approach to market to them. And then there's other things like who are their friends, you know? Like who are these – who are the type of people they like to hang out with is a question you, you need to – you know, you'll need to answer. And then what are their values, you know? Are they religious? Are they not religious? Are they, you know, uh, are they conservative? Are they liberal? You know, all those types of things. It's like, because if you can figure out, like, you know, I think, you know, uh, a conservative base might really, you know, like this, or a liberal base might really like this. And then you can start looking for different groups and communities with that in mind. And then um, you can branch out to, like, try to hit those uh, topics um, that fit their values and then slide in your film, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see here. Here's a big one. What do they like to spend their money on? So th this is like you're really building out like your ultimate fan. Um, like, oh gosh, you know, are they spending all their money in video games? Or do they, you know, do they pirate music? You know, I don't know. It's like, you know, do they read books at all? You know, does your audience read books? Like your ideal fan, do they? And like if they like movies, mm -hmm. what kind of crazy movies do they like? And how can you... Um, uh, and, and that they're willing to spend money on. Um, and then what does their daily routine look like? You know, if they have to get up at the crack of dawn to like be in, you know, on a train or, or in a car or in a, or in a bus commute, you know, to get to their job and what do they have to do at their, you know, uh, working class job, you know, to, to earn the money that they're going to spend, uh, you know, spend, their entertainment on and what friends are they hanging out with. So you, you, you begin to see a much deeper detailed picture of what your fan is looking like. And then uh, this is crazy, like, but what do they never leave the house without bringing with them? So is it a phone, you know? Is that the only thing they bring with them? Or 
you know, who knows? Or are they, or if they're religious, are they bringing like a cross with them? You know, I, you know, all these things that you got to kind of build out of what who you think your ultimate fan is. And then um, here's the thing: what keeps them up at night? Like you said, I think your film kind of touches on that. Like, man, there's got to be more than life than just parting or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. there's stuff deeper. There's there's deeper uh, themes going throughout your movie there. So if you can identify for what keeps them up at night, what their fears are, then if you're ta- if you are in these communities, again, these are communities outside of filmmaking. They're not filmmaking communities. These are communities that uh, or groups on Facebook that are sh- ha- that you've identified your your ideal fan having this type of values, their type of friends, the money they would sp- you know what they will spend their money on, and then if you can sort of psychologically tap into what they what they fear and what keeps them up at night, then you could possibly, you know, help them as answer what they aspire to become. So if they aspire to become or do something different or have a better relationship or have a deeper relationship with women or whatever it might be, then you can at least start angling your marketing materials to answer these things. And, um, and again, and if you can figure out a way to, position your movie as a possible sort of solution to these to these things that they might be uh, have questions about but if you can build your ultimate fan let's see where we're at right here so there you go so that's the biggest question so with all the stuff that you build this checklist off of you have to ask yourself like well how does my film serve this ideal ultimate fan and that's really the biggest question that all of us as filmmakers have to figure out almost before we start, you know, making a film. And it's much easier if it's like a documentary because it's sort of a very, you know, cause-related. It's harder when you're like a genre, like a comedy genre, horror genre, sci-fi genre, you know. Mm-hmm. But you can still answer these questions. You just have to get real clever or not clever. You just have to be really targeted in your marketing materials to make sure you're addressing this ideal fan. Because if you can focus on the ideal fan... Let's see what I have here. What's my next thing? Oh, yeah. Because in the end of the day, this quote, I don't know the secret to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody, and that's from Bill Cosby. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. So you can see, like, why we would want to build the ultimate fan, you know, like who, you know, um, and why it's important. But you can see, I think, how marketers uh, kind of figure out how they can uh, creatively build their marketing materials to um, address some of the needs or some of the concerns their ideal fan has or ideal customer base has, and then you you have to just position your film as possibly a solution to that or an escape. If they want an escape, but, you know, what do they want to escape to? You know, that type of a thing. Let's see. What else we got? Uh, oh, so the bottom line is like, so now what parties do you attend? So now that you've, see, we had to go back to the beginning so that we broke it down to like understanding what our goals are, understanding um, what marketing is all about. It's about communication, uh, methods of communication. We understand who our ideal fan is or we are beginning to, and then we know that we can't please everybody, so we're not going to try to. Now the question is to, to answer your, that question, to answer your question about which communities, which groups you know, online, where do I spend my time on? Well, if you have your ideal fan set up, you'll know you have a better idea what parties you should be attending instead of filmmaking parties. And the thing I remember about the book Freakonomics is the whole thing I took away from Freakonomics is 
incentives. Every human being is emotionally um, makes choices based off incentive. So if you can understand, like, you know, what is the incentive of this ideal fan? Um, what would make them want to buy my film or watch my film? So, you know, as long as you understand that everybody's motives are all based off incentives. So if you look at politics or anything like that, you could always root it back to like, well, what's the incentive for this politician to do this, this, and that? Or what's the incentive for this company or corporation to help do this, this, and that? Or what's the incentive of this customer to, to do this? You know, so that was one thing about great about that book is uh, just understanding the psychology of incentives. So knowing that, you know, if you're looking at a, a social media platform to hang out on, you know, Facebook is still king, but things have changed with Facebook and it's harder to build an organic search or organic reach, you know, on your platform. So a lot of it, you've got to start paying to play. Like if you're going to have any impact as a marketer or marketing your items or building a fan base on Facebook, the rules have changed quite a bit and their infrastructure is very interesting. I, it's still the king because like a lot of people just, that's where they spend their time on is Facebook. And, um, you know, I just feel like I'm a little late in the game because I haven't, you know, had an opportunity to build anything organically. So, you know, uh, Twitter just became public, right? So now they got their incentive. So what I'm getting back at is, is now that Facebook is uh, part of the public offering, they have stockholders to the, their incentive is to make money to keep their stockholders happy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now their incentives have changed. So now Twitter's incentives incentives have changed as well, because they still have to now they have to answer to stockholders and I don't know exactly how you know their ads will start working within the Twitter uh, stream but when you look at Google Google has other revenue streams you know they've got their general search AdSense they've got uh, the Android they've got all these other uh, their hands and other you know I don't know what's the term but the they have a lot of opportunity for other revenue streams. So that's why they're trying to keep Google Plus uh, as a social media platform uh, free away. They don't have to offer it up to public offering. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so those are the types of things to understand where the incentive plays of, how, of what groups you're going to and communities you're going to search out for on a social media. Um, so you've always, I don't know if you've heard the saying before, but you, you're trying to do 20% of the work to give you 80% of the results, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing that a lot of people are already on Facebook, if you can afford like Facebook ads and you're going to choose to play in that world, that's a whole other topic. Um, but if you can focus your um, efforts on your ideal fan, whoever you come up with, and what uh, communities and groups that they hang out with, then you're setting yourself up to at least do 20% of the work to see 80% of the results. As you can see with like filmmaking uh, communities and filmmaking groups, it's almost difficult because everybody has, you know, everybody in those groups are used to people pitching them their ideas where all they want to do is pretty much pitch their own ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you go to a different community, a different group, they may be more receptive and open as long as you can identify who your ideal fan is and create your marketing materials to, to communicate with them. The mark again, marketing, marketing equals a method of communication. Like you have to have a conversation with them. So this will help, 
create that 20% work will give you 80% of the results. Um, I'm going to switch over to me. Let's see if this works. Does this work? No. It does. Hold on. i got to do the screen share again. <laughs> there we go. So you see me. So those... Okay, okay. There we go. Uh, let's see. Control room. Did I do that? All right. So you can see that's some stuff to think about to answer your question. Like, well, what groups do I you belong to? Like, I've kind of, let's say run my course, but I've seen the results I get out of um, um, interacting with uh, filmmaking communities and filmmaking groups on Facebook. And again, they call it communities on Google+. And a little bit of hashtags going on with Twitter for my film. And, um, you know, I have a marketing angle for it that I push, which is, you know, here's a film that was made for $500 with no crew. But it's, I would say, to, in order to expand my reach, I, uh, I realize it has sort of this Buddhist theme to it. And so now I've started to create marketing materials, and I have to do this long, long tail legwork to reach out to uh, people that might be interested in sort of uh, films with a Buddhist theme. Not that it's like fully Buddhist theme, but people that are interested in the, you know, Buddhist principles um, may get a kick out of my film. They may, may not. I don't know. Well, I, have to... I mean, I, I've seen it, right? And it's, uh, I definitely, I can see what you're talking about. Uh, you know, there's definitely that angle in there. And, um, yeah, it, it's funny. I, I know exactly what you mean because, you know, my, one of my angles is, you know, I, I shot this movie in my own living room, right? Which is great, but uh, that really only works for filmmakers. <laughs> the average person is probably going to go, okay, I don't care. <laughs> so I, I definitely know what you mean. It's it's like finding, you know, finding that little bit that connects with you know your 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 perfect uh, um, film fan, right? Um, yeah, and let me ask you, who um, your background is? Uh, what part of? Uh you got to help me out here. Like, what part of the country are you from? And then some of your friends that are in the movie uh, or the, the actors that are in the movie, uh, do they have some sort of ethnic um, background that could be tapped into that you can market to that you can kind of come up with some interesting angle there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm originally from, I uh, was born in uh, what back then was Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia. Uh, it was, you know, Bosnia. Now it's Bosnia after the war in 91. Uh, which is Eastern Europe, right? Yeah, very close to Italy in that area. So um, I lived in Germany for seven years while the war was on. Then I moved to Croatia, and then I moved to Canada in 2001. So yeah, a lot of moving around and, and all that. And um, yeah, so then in 2007, I moved here to Vancouver specifically for you know acting and filmmaking. Um, uh, the, the cast in my film, um, actually, they're all pretty much just, you know, as Canadian as it gets, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or American, or, you know, the film world. <laughs> uh, that, that's another interesting thing that I, as you may have noticed, explore in the movie, which is, you know, this relationship between Canadian films and American films. So um, I find that just very interesting as someone who, I mean, I've been out in Canada for long enough to, you know, to be a Canadian, but yet I'm still you know, I'm still a little removed from it to be able to kind of look at the world. And, um, yeah, that's, that's another just very interesting thing that I think is changing, which is this perception that you have to make uh, a quote-unquote an American movie set in the States and, you know, otherwise no one wants to watch it, right? 
which I, I don't think is true. I think as long as there's a, you know, a universal story that people connect to, you know, um, I don't think it matters. I mean, I've seen a lot of, you know, really great, uh, especially on Vimeo On Demand, some really great movies from South Africa, from uh, Asia, anywhere, right, all, all over the world, which, you know, just seem very interesting to me. And uh, I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm interested in watching this. Um, so on one hand, you know, I absolutely agree with you. you. You know, if you can sort of, you know, grab a certain group, um, uh, you know, whether it's ethnic group or whatever group to, to promote your movie, if they can connect with it, um, which is what, what I am trying with, you know, for example, Eastern Europeans. Um, and the interesting thing about that is on Facebook, um, I, uh, you know, I agree with you there as well. It's sadly, you know, you got to pay lately to, to uh, promote your stuff. Uh, the organic search isn't that great anymore. And every time I did that, uh, most of the responses were from Bosnia or Croatia. Because um, that all that used to be part of Yugoslavia, right? So, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, if, if they see my name, it's it's going to be there's a curiosity right there. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's this mishmash of, you know, that world plus, you know, the the, you know, global village where, you know, hey, we're exposed to all kinds of um, just amazing stories from all around the world. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, District 9, for example, when that came out years ago, I mean, that's an amazing movie. And I mean, really, it's a movie about South Africa, about the, you know, yes, it's a sci-fi movie, but it really deals with the politics and the social um, structure and, you know, these kinds of things, which I've never been to South Africa. I might go someday, but, but you know, I don't really know what that's like, but I was like, hey, I love this movie. You know what I mean? It's just it's very yeah. interesting. There's... Um... You know, Bill Cosby's quote, but at the same time, um, the create one of the, the co-creator of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, the, the American comedy sitcom that was, you know, 10 years ago, or it was like number one for a while. And his name, I think, is Philip Rosenthal. I could probably got that messed up, or Rosenberg or something, where he's a co-creator. He mentioned, like, the more specific they were able to get with that show, like very specific sort of family problems or family comedy bits... Um, the more universal it becomes. And like you said, um, what's fascinating about independent film now is I'm getting, you know, tastes of all these different communities where these filmmakers are just showing like, hey, they're grabbing their buddy or their local actor. But I'm seeing a diversity and I'm getting a sense of like what that that community is like or that city is like or that town is like. You, you, you realize that we've only been uh, shown a very small sliver of of what Hollywood's been offered offered to us, sort of it's a very uh, heightened version or interpretation of like, you know, what Atlanta looks like or Miami looks like or Vancouver looks like. So you have something there, and the fact that if you do some of the ads or, or whatever you do on Facebook, if you're getting any type of feedback, you kind of just run with it in, in terms of they always say listen to your audience because you may start out with your what your ideal fan is and you try to reach out to them, but the people giving you feedback may end up, you know, you, you have to be flexible enough to be like, okay, I can change that, this image of what the ideal fan is into these people because they are actually responding to it. I never thought they would, but I, you know, I might be a voice piece for, you know, um, um, uh, you know, the, sorry, I'm sorry. Where was, wait, where oh, were we? 
Uh, Croatian or Bosnia. Yes, Croatian and Bosnia. So, I mean, because I, you know, like you said, that, that response you got back from them uh, could be very helpful in terms of crafting your, your marketing message. And because and, you, you also have to have a goal, like where you want your film, like how, how big of reach you want to get. Like I have some realistic expectations with my film. And the reason why it's, it was made for so cheap, because it's like I kind of just did it for me. You know, it was, it was mostly just to creatively express myself to see if I could even do it. So, um, you know, and also getting a chance to see, like, real-world numbers of what films are actually earning on the uh, video-on-demand platform or electronic sell-through, um, you know, sales numbers. And it's eye-opening, you know. That's uh, a film with no stars, a film with no distribution that is just selling directly is getting, you know, you're, you're lucky to try to get, like, a 1,000 transactions, which garner, garners you anywhere from a 1,000 to $5,000. And we're, that's what we're talking about. That's what you're earning. Some of the films that have stars and that have distribution aren't making any more than fifty, twenty-five, fifty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand dollars on um, the electronic sell-through video on demand, um, you know, platform. So that tells you, like, you know, people aren't making like millions of dollars selling their film for ninety-nine cents or five dollars or ten dollars, uh, because you need so many transactions. Um, so the, you know, you, you have to keep that expectation of what, what is going to be successful for you. So let's get on to your next question. Um, do you, I don't, I have it, but do you have it as well? Yeah, yeah I got it here. Um, yeah, so it's just uh, pretty much, you know, how do you balance, you know, work, um, uh, whether you have a day job or not and, uh, you know, family and, you know, this passion, uh, for filmmaking and, uh, yeah, I just, I'd love to. Know, get your take on on it because I'm, I'm sure you know it's uh <laughs> it can get very uh overwhelming at times um you know trying to do manage all these things yeah and i think let's you know everybody who gets a chance to listen to this or watch it later on is in that boat of like how do you do it you know how does anybody do it of mm -hmm. like make this stuff and why do we make it and i talked to a friend of mine like you know a year ago and and we're laughing. It's like when, you, when you're a filmmaker, you're an artist, you're an author. Uh, if you're a creative person of any kind, you're almost cursed. I mean, it is a curse to because you just need to be creative. You need to express yourself some way. Mm -hmm. And there is no rationale of why we have to do this stuff. I mean, it's not like the world will end if we don't make something, you know. But there's it, there's this weird innate. Uh, I don't know. Un oh, I, I irrational, hear yeah. Uh, it, I hear you. It's this, you know, uh, with me, sometimes, because uh, I, you know, I'm doing acting and filmmaking, right? And a lot of times I feel, uh, I'm like, I love it. And, you know, a lot of times it's it's a blessing, especially for this movie, too. The fact that I am an actor, it does help when I direct, right? But then at the same time, pursuing both, pursuing one thing is uh, can be, uh, you know, very overwhelming. But doing both, um, same thing. Uh, but, I, you know. I, I've been for years trying to ask myself that question or answer the question, what am I? Am I an actor? Am I a director? And I'm like, I'm both, man, because I started doing both roughly around the same time. Um, so I hear you. It's this, it's this, I don't think anyone outside of the, I don't know if it's necessarily just a, the arts field because there's a lot of passion, you know, scientists who just are so passionate about whatever it is that they do. So 
I think it's just passion of people in general. There's something just crazy about us. <laughs> we, the the rules of, of just general society don't apply to us, and we just we got to do it. Why? It there's this force. Absolutely, like you said, there's this drive that just keeps us going. And um, you know, I've said this many times. My my fiance has heard me say that, and my parents and all that. And I was like. The moment I stop doing this is the moment I'm six feet under, you know, and then uh, I'll see what the afterlife looks like. <laughs> but for in this and on this, uh, you know, level of existence, uh, I got to do it. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting you brought up the scientists as well. Like you're right, there's passion doesn't necessarily mean any sort of rationale whatsoever. <laughs> so let's take a look. I actually try to put a little quick uh, PowerPoint or whatever they call it, Google's presentation slides. So um, so how do you balance work, life, and passion? Um, well, you know, cash flow is real. You know, making money is real. There's nothing, you know, to sneeze about. It's, that is a reality. And I remember someone saying to me uh, years ago, there is no shame in supporting your family. So there's sometimes there's this feeling like, Man, I, I, I feel like I'm worth more. I can provide more. I can do something more creatively. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just gotta take a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and there's but I think that's the whole thing is there is no shame in supporting your family. And um, with that I, I say simplify. I remember years ago when I was when I was working at PlayStation, there was so many things I was getting myself into. Like I was just I was interested in, you know, producing some more music and I was not like a great musician or anything but I just had this interest or I wanted to get into some other creative thing so I remember making a conscious decision to sort of simplify things and simplifying me like you again you start with like your family you know and you give your and one of the things you give yourself a break like um, if you were to step outside yourself what kind of advice would you give a person like you you know what I mean it's funny how we never we never take our own advice so sometimes we just have to kind of give ourselves a break. And and with that, I said, when I go back to simplifying, is like living life, like your movie, that's part of it. You know, it, it's uh, the struggles, the the enjoying of your friends, your family, and so on. But you do make a conscious decision like, okay, there's a lot of things I want to get into, but I'm just going to simplify it to I've got my family, you know, uh, friends, and then I've got my work because I have to do that and then I will make time for wherever I need to do to create my passion whether that's making the movie or 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 there or marketing the movie you know or or selling the movie um you know you just, you just if you just kind of maybe simplify it so it doesn't feel so overwhelming and again you give yourself a break it's not like uh you know I'm sure you would tell yourself if you can step outside your body to say just keep going. You're doing a great job, but you know you don't have to kill yourself. You know, for your small circle, what you're doing, we're all very proud of you. And I think it's, um, you know, you can't control what the what the world, you know, either accepts or doesn't accept you. But you can at least control the little bit of a bubble that you have and simplify it, and then you know take the steps to to you know to to go bigger here and there. Um, I think the biggest thing they teach in like online entrepreneurs. Is this whole thing of, like don't compare yourself to other success, you know? And yeah. it's hard because like you you're working and you look over like what the hell what's that guy doing, you know? Or <laughs> it's like oh man, 
Um, I I follow a lot of online entrepreneurs and and uh, you know you you see them like just racking the money and and they seem like they're living the life. But the, you know you hear their story. They had a bunch of failures and they worked at it for a couple years before they they had like uh, something break from like something actually you know and they were and but all, through all those years of like struggle and trial and error they were ready to take advantage of the opportunity once it exploded for them you know mm-hmm. and uh and i i'm i like i said i'm sure you you got a chance to listen to the latest podcast that i published with uh, Oren Pelly from yeah. Paranormal Activity you know there's a lot of things in his success which he he's you know outwardly admitted that you know gosh there's some luck that played into it you know so we can't compare ourselves to other people's success because that just kills us. And online entrepreneurs talk about two types of people: people that live in a world of abundance, and the people that live in the world of scarcity. And um, I don't know if I put that in here. Did I put that in here? No. But um, the difference between somebody who lives in a world of abundance is that they see no competition, and they see that there's constant opportunity all the time. Somebody who lives in the world of scarcity. Uh, is jealous, jealous of other people's success. They feel like, you know, there's only so much limited amount of uh, movies that can be made or films that can be made, you know, and that's just not the way the online entrepreneurial world thinks. And that's a big difference between the online entrepreneurial world and the independent filmmaking world. The independent filmmaking world, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, community is very scarce, my scarcity mindset. They just feel like, you know, there's too many movies. There's too many things being made. Where an online entrepreneur would be like, what do you mean? It's the world of abundance. Who cares if there's too many movies being made? That's fine. It's all good. And so for us to kind of keep our balance, work, life, and passion, we just got to keep focus. And what that means is, you know, follow one course until success. So, you know, it could feel overwhelming, but if you can simplify it and then just focus on one thing and then accomplish that one thing, uh, and then you move on to the next thing. And I think that's a great thing about filmmaking and then combining that with online entrepreneurship or online business is that, believe me, you will never get bored ever, ever in your entire life because you're never asked to do one task over and over. It's You have so many things to work on that you, 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 won't, you just won't get bored. And that's what probably makes life really enjoyable and, uh, and challenging at the same time. So my advice is... Yeah, you know what? If you got to make money, if you got to you know, have a job, there's no shame. You got to do it, you know. But then in the process, you can simplify things. You can give yourself a break, and you definitely don't compare yourself to other people's success. Then you you be, and you just focus on something, and it's follow that one course until success. So let's see here. Um, oh, here we go. Am I spam? I got to cut back to this thing. Wait, where am I? Sorry. Oh, here we go. Okay, I think I popped back on. I don't know how I can't figure out a way to make it um, a, a smoother transition going from the screen share to our faces. But well, anyway, I, I, it might look better once you actually watch it later on. You know, it might be actually smoother, right? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> so let's. Um, you have a. What's your next question? I think. Um, yes, yeah, so it's related to. Um, um, releasing uh, blog post newsletters. So, um, as you know, I, I release, um, you know, a bunch of blog posts on my filmmakingtoday.com uh, blog. And so I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how much I should release, um, you know, on a weekly basis, on a, on a 
whatever time frame you know i don't want to just uh you know overdo it where people will just get tired of me um but at the same time you know i don't want to be i don't want to slack off where people just lose interest and uh, they'll just forget about me from you know from they'll you know from um one post to another right uh and um yeah so i'm just uh, just wondering what are your thoughts about that yeah um so here's what the experts say and we'll get into that as i switch over to <laughs> the, uh, the screen I'll, share. I'll give you a, a sound effect when you do it maybe it'll, oh it'll... they actually have something here in google uh hangouts it's oh, i should probably put that in it's like these little animation sounds there's just way too many controls to do. Okay, hold on here. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's set this up. All right, so the really the big question you want to know is like, am I a spammer? Like, you know, like how much do I annoy people with my blogs and all that kind of stuff, right? And um, so here's something the experts say, is that you spend 20% of your time creating the content, so content creation. You're going to spend 80% of your time promoting it. Because obviously, like Twitter, like the re you you put out a a tweet, you don't know where it ends up in somebody's feed, you know, or their stream. Mm -hmm. You know, they only you you might, that tweet might only have like a five minute lifespan, you know. So it's okay to repeat it or you know put another spin on it, you know, um, or in Facebook the same thing. Or, or you know, I, I noticed that in Google Plus the communities you can post something and they have a little longer life. Like, I remember I put stuff up and, like, a month later somebody comments on it, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> so it, ex it exists someplace. But, like, Twitter and face Facebook is so fleeting, you know? So, but even a, a general blog post or an article, if you have, when we say promotion, it, promotion doesn't necessarily have to mean just social media. Um, the, I'm getting all this information a lot from this guy, uh, Derek Halpern, over at socialtriggers.com. And he's really good. He's, um, he's, he takes a lot of time studying the psychology uh, of people and how that relates to marketing and sales and so on. And so his strategy is literally he does 20% of his time he creates blog posts or his content creation, but he spends majority of his time promoting it. And he does so by, again, um, even though he might teach sort of online marketing or marketing uh, practices, he will literally like send an email to a um, a spa, like a spa treatment center, and send like an email saying, hey, you know, I went to, you know, I I, I had a, an amazing time at your spa, you know, whatever it is, and it was such a great time. But I did notice that when I was on your website that there are some things you can optimize on. Um, you might check this article out, and then he maybe provide a link to that article. Well, the article kicks back to his main site where he gives a general um, sort of marketing advice to any business but then he takes but but his approach is that he goes to every business he goes to like a deli I went to your deli or whatever it is and like um, I you know ate the best sandwich ever but I noticed that on your 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 website you know it, it could use some um, more of these things uh, done you might want to check out this link so then they click on the link it goes to again it's not it's not targeted to just somebody who runs a sandwich shop or just somebody who runs a spa you know so what I'm saying is like if you can go back to your ideal fan and figure out who they are you can take your uh, content you created and figure out different ways to communicate to them again marketing you're just communicating you're 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 trying to help solve a problem and 
inadvertently when they click on it, they will be brought to like the one piece of content that you created that will, you know, help solve a problem. But you just, you set up the, uh, the pre uh, preface for it or preface for it. The, I don't even, I can't even speak English, but the, <laughs> the, but you, the setup is you are talking to them specifically to, you know, their industry or their needs or their aspirations or your, their fears, but you have a piece of content that is sort of universal. You know, so that's a that's a con that's a a strategy that you can use where you feel like maybe you're not uh, being a spammer. Mm -hmm. And in um, quality over quantity, so you know you don't have to necessarily feel like uh, you know I start I try to put myself like on a, a one week um, a blog um, creation like a, a blog post. But sometimes I can't get to that, and I don't. I give myself a break. I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of stuff that I've created that is still generating a lot of interest. So I continue just doing my 80% promotion of that old content because mm -hmm. I realize uh, the quality is going to matter more than the quantity. And um, then if you're going to make that blog post or whatever your videos or whatever you're doing, then make it epic. You know, just make it so that it has. Again, the 20% you put in trying to make that epic content content will have 80% of the results. Like, you know, because if you made a bunch of little things that that were okay, they're not going to get the return on investment on it as much if you made this one thing that was really great. And then you could spend, you know, 80% of your time just marketing it. Um, and the big thing, too, is everybody just needs a problem solved, whether they know it or not. Like you said, and the problem could be just simply like, my life sucks. I just need a good laugh, or whatever it might be. But if you pr if you create your marketing content around that, like, are you you know, can you not just like something like, I can't wait to get to the weekend. Um, the boss is on me. I just need a you know good drink, good you know good time or whatever it is. And then if you can offer if your film offers that solution, then you have to present present it that way, that it, it actually offers some sort of solution to a problem they have, but you just have to create that problem or you have to identify that problem and your content needs to, to basically identify it and then solve it. Um, so we can go back to me, wait, to my face again. Come on. Wait. Oh, there we go. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I <laughs> Anyway, so if, and if, you know what? Um, I think the biggest thing is not being a spammer. Um, here's the here's a spammer, and I've done it too because I was I'm I was new I'm I'm new to this still, and I, I would test things out, and I and I look back and go, eh, that's kind of spammy, mm -hmm. meaning that I show up at some community and I go, you know, whatever, check this trailer out. That's like the worst. Like check this trailer out, check this film out, you know, uh, help us with our our funding. You know, it's like. Um, nothing bad about it. It's just that when you get it so much, it becomes sort of noise. It's not your project might be great, but if it's if it's one of like 20 that I see a day, in my world, it looks like noise. But if somebody can come to the table with somehow knowing my problem better than I do and presenting something and then pre uh, showing my problem and then presenting a solution to it, um, I'm more apt to to talk to that person or, or follow that, that link or that, uh, help support that, um, uh, crowdfunding campaign. Oh, no, I agree. I'm, I'm actually trying 
not consciously not to use the the word check this out you know like that phrase because <laughs> i'm like uh, I, I agree i've i've done it too and you know you look back and you go okay okay people are just gonna hate you <laughs> uh, i mean for me uh, you know same here i um you know as, as you know i you know i try to release a new blog post once a week and i usually try to do video a how-to kind of video and they usually tie in with something i did on the my movie right so, you know, even there, um, I mean, I, I truly try to make it a how-to, right? You know, whether it's um, color grading, I think was my last one, or, you know, any, any of that stuff. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that I think I'm getting to the point where I need to stop, where I need to, you know, uh, decrease, I guess, talking about the movie, my movie. And I think I should just, um, you know, in general uh, or, or just whatever it is, right? Because, uh, you know, same here. The last thing I want to do is just uh, be perceived as a spammer or just, you know, you know, piss people off because I, I totally understand, man. I'm I'm right there. You know, I, I get, you know, tons of emails almost every day with all kinds of stuff and you go, delete, unsubscribe, delete, go away. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, so it's... Uh, yeah, was, I had actually an interesting experience a um, couple of weeks ago or, or so. Um, you know, I use uh, MailChimp for my newsletters, right? And uh, when someone unsubscribes there, they get a choice of, of um, you know, the reason why they want to unsubscribe. And, you know, people subscribe, unsubscribe, I mean, you know, it's normal. And uh, this was the first time that someone marked it as this is spam, right? Uh, so I'm like, oh, man, why? It's like, you know, first I'm like, did I? Like, did I actually, like, am I, you start asking yourself, am I spam? What's going on? And then I, you know, I, I trace it back and I'm like, okay, so this is the email address. How did that person get to this? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. They signed up for it. Okay. So, but I sent them an email. Um, just, you know, I just wanted to make sure they know. So I'm like, uh, Hey, listen, I, um, first of all, I want to apologize. If you, you know, think I was spamming you, um, this is how you ended up on the newsletter, blah, blah, blah. And, um, just want to make sure, you know, and again, I'm sorry about the, um, you know the inconvenience and all that, and I truly mean it. You know, and uh, it was it was really cool. They um, he responded back to me and saying, "Oh, sorry, man. No, I didn't mean it this way." And you know, we had this nice little exchange. So, um, you know, that to me is number one because, you know, if if yeah, anybody can be a spammer, and uh, it's so easy. And um, also, if any if there's any Canadians listening, my fellow Canucks here. Uh, starting July 1st this year, which is our Canada Day, um, our government will have will implement the most horrible anti-spam law on this planet. I went to this workshop just uh, last month or so, and uh, they're going to start charging individuals up in the millions if they are being perceived as you know being perceived as being spammers. And that also includes if you uh, whether you do it purposely or. Or, or just you know by accident if you spam someone anywhere in the world it's not just in Canada which makes absolutely no sense because uh, there's there's about one percent of actual spammers originating in Canada uh, there's more but they don't use servers in Canada they're not that stupid right so, uh, just just a little timid out there because when I heard that I was like oh boy I mean you know as long as you do the right thing and if you use services that have you know double opt-in and all that, and you know, don't add people to your list if they didn't consent to it. Um, you should be fine, but just you know, there were there was about thirty or forty of us there, you know, business people, just people from everywhere, right? And we're all going, say, say what? How much? <laughs> Are you serious? 
So I think our uh, our politicians in Ottawa, which is you know our capital, I think there's this there's this room where there's no electricity, no internet access, nothing, and these people come up with these ideas that <laughs> uh, just make no sense to anyone. But you know, it's just an interesting thing. That actually that is interesting, you know. And right, we walk the fine line of you know, are we spammers? But again. The process they put in place to protect us, I use MailChimp as well. And, um, you know, if you're worried about, like, offending or, like, upsetting somebody, that's fine. You, you kind of want to because, you, in a sense, you, you need to weed out those who don't want to follow you because you're trying to get to those thousand true fans. So you need to be yourself, and you need to, and as long as you know that everything that you put out is that you're tr it provides value of some sort. And, it, and when we say it's not spam, which is, like, Check me out. Check this out. Support my stuff. You know, when it's it's when it's not about you, then everything that you put forth, which is trying to help your audience or your ideal audience, then you're going to um, be okay. And those who who get it or don't get it, you know, that's fine because you don't want people on your email list that um, aren't really big fans. Because eventually, if you get a big list, you're gonna be paying for them. You know. Mm -hmm. Like, so you want to make sure that if you're going to start paying for people to be on your list, you want to make sure that they are indeed, you know, true, true fans. So you, I would advise, like, keep going. Because the great thing about your stuff is, one, you have a great design sense. I love your web design and, and the designs of your emails, design of your, um, your graphics, and the, the way you set up your videos. You know, um, I looked at it like... Um, you know, purposely on my end of things is like that. I try not to get too much into the production stuff because I feel like there's a um, there's a lot of um, how tos out there of how to do production that do better than I could ever do it. Like your stuff is better than I could do it or like put something together. But I definitely feel like there's a need for marketing ideas and discussion about crowd sort or crowd building. You know. Um, uh, and I think that's the next frontier. So that's something you might think about too, is like sh sharing your experiences with like, so I put this marketing campaign together, I sent it out, and this is the results or the th you know things that worked or what didn't work, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at the stage of the um, the independent film community that we're gonna I think start beginning to see more and more of that kind of stuff. Like it's gonna be really interesting to see what Ted Hope puts together with Fandor. Uh, at the end of the month um, with that whole web series he's putting together interviewing sort of the, the state of the union of like where independent film is. Now to me that sort of represents like independent film of people that have connections with like di distribution companies that are are struggling to stay viable. Those are like uh, people that are used to working you know anywhere from a hundred thousand to a couple million dollar films and stuff like that. I'm hoping that this conversation with the Film Marketing Fridays with Film Trooper represents the the really little little guys that are just like I got I got some film equipment and in gear that I can shoot something with my friends that if I sell it online how do I market it you know I I feel like there's a void for that and so I'm hoping that that's what this dialogue and the future dialogues can address. So let's go and ask your. I think you got two more questions on your list. Uh, I got one more. Oh, one more. What's the last one? Uh, so the last one is just, um, you know, what's a good way to approach just, uh, you know, fellow bloggers uh, and, 
you know, to start building a relationship with, you know, people who are, um, you know, in the industry who, you know, who can promote your stuff and you can promote theirs, you know, just to build a healthy relationship um, and, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. So let's see here. We'll go to the screen share again. Oh, wait. Here we go. Come on. Oh, sorry. I forgot there. the soundtrack. Zoop. Okay. <laughs> so the, the big question is, the last question you have is, is all business is like, how do you build relationships? And, you know, guest blogging, honestly, um, um, I think sh gives you a little bit of a bump in your traffic. I was surprised, you know, I've had some great success with some of the, sm the small blogs that I put together for other people's uh, websites, and I saw some increase in my traffic. Mm -hmm. um, but I was listening to this, uh, these online entrepreneurs, these business people talk about it, and they, they also said that they only saw a small bump by doing guest blogging. Not to say it's bad, it's, it's just great to get out there to be in front of other people's audiences, and it's a, it's a really fun thing to be part of, to do some guest blogging. But... Um, I guess you should you shouldn't rely just on that, right? Yeah, it's, it it could be part of your strategy, but not like the main part. Again, that's going back to figuring out what twenty percent of the effort you do is going to give you eighty percent of the results. So it's like if you spend a lot of your time guest blogging, but then you look at your metrics and you're only getting a small bump, then you may have to change your strategy. And the one thing that everybody says it's it's actually interesting is valuable content's the rules. So if you can create something of really tremendous value to a very specific audience, um, then you'll see an uptick in terms of like your your hits to your website or opt-ins to your email list or something like that. And um, yeah, so it's it comes down to that again. It's like I look at my metrics and I'm like, and I'm not I'm not killing it by any means. You know, I I'm still early to the game here, but I do see I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the realities of like, oh, okay. So every time I do something like major, I have a, a a good piece of content that I can then promote. I see the uh, interaction. I see the uptick in uh, traffic, uh, uh, website traffic. And then um, again, I think building a relationship. Imagine you're at a party, you know, not a Hollywood party, like a regular normal party, you know. And you kind of just don't want to be lame, you know, because you know how it is. It's like if you're at a party, you don't go up to somebody like. Hey, check this out. Check me out. Check what I got out. Check what I have. Check me out. Check you out. You know, you you're there to be a, a, a human being, and um, one thing you can do to, they recommend is like create create a spreadsheet of like 200 to 500 influencers of the specific places you where you want to be. Obviously, independent film and film you know filmmakers and film blogs and stuff like that. You've got to create that so you know you you create a spreadsheet where it's like the name of the site or the name of the art, uh, magazine or publication or blog, and then you say who's the main person and if they got a Twitter handle, if they got an email address, all those types of things and, and little notes, you know, because then what you want to do is then um, it's a lot of work because you're, you're at a party, but this is a massive online, you know, global party, and you're going to comment on their work. So, like, if they're putting blog posts out, be that person that's involved with their um, – commenting on their articles because sometimes they'll come back to you and say, oh, thanks, or they give a question, you know. As long as your comments are like just, if they're just something short like, great work, that's it, as opposed to, that was really great. I love how you talked about this. Here's a question. So if you can even ask questions within the in the comment section, you get the engagement that you want. And you want to do that for maybe like, I'll, I'll throw it out to like a month, you know. 
that you're somewhat active so they see who you are. And you can do that on Twitter by retweeting or commenting. Uh, Facebook, if they have a Facebook group, you know, just anything you can engage in the comment section. It's um, just so they, they know who you are. And as long as you're adding value to that community or adding thoughtful sort of conversation with them, then you're, you're, gonna, you're at that party and you're not being lame. You're being engaging. And um, then the thing is, like, if you can help them solve a problem, you know, they might have something where you see or you hear them talk about in a blog or a tweet that they, you know, they wish, like, you know, something, somebody can help them with, like, this marketing thing on their website or whatever it is. If you see that opportunity, you jump onto it, you know, like, hey, I may not have the answers, but did you, did you ever see, like, this article by this other guy? You know, just something where you're a connector or, or you're somebody who's solving their problem. Mm-hmm. So you haven't done anything by promoting yourself or promoting your work. You have just built the relationship up of, so they know who you are and you're, you're cool. You're not lame at the party, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, one of the other things they teach was a really great advice, again, uh, from some of these online entrepreneurs. is like if the people that you want to get to know, if they are teaching something, you know, if they preach something or they evangelize something um, online – you apply what they teach and then you come back to them and you share the results with them and you tell them like, Hey, I, I've been following your blog, you know, for a long time. I, I, here's the things I love that you talked about and I actually applied it to my film project or whatever it is or my marketing efforts. And I did see these types of results and I want to say thank you or, you know, it's interesting. They need, they need the feedback as much as we do. So as long as you're reaching out to them by saying, I've applied what you taught, and these are the results, and I'm going to share the results with you on what you taught. Um, yeah, and the bottom line is, um, yeah, it all comes down to one thing. Does your film provide value of anything, you know, to the whole world or whatever it is, or to your specific fan base? And I think that's the struggle for I, I call these genre films. Again, if you're a documentary filmmaker, it's a little bit easier because you can pinpoint a very specific cause or a specific um, group of people, and then you provide value to them because a lot of times documentaries expose or bring up um, they're like solutions or cause or they 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 bring up a point of view at the end of the movie there's like some sort of call to action to some extent, you know, some of the better documentaries it just kind of gets you thinking. So you really, all of us have to stop and ask that question to take ourselves out of the equation and say, does our film provide value? And what does it, what kind of value? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and part of that value, it, it can't suck, you know, <laughs> like we might be, we might be on the right track of like doing a cause, like helping a cause like, you know, um, pets that needed to be adopted or like physical fitness or, or showing the, uh, this, this new documentary is coming out by, with Katie Couric called uh, fed up about the, um, the epidemic of obesity and uh, rise of diabetes, you know? So I'm sure it's, it probably won't suck, but if we, if we were on the same page and we wanted to do something where our message was, has a lot of value, but our execution of the film was crappy then you, we don't provide any value to anybody because it still sucked, yeah. you know? And then value also equals transformation. So the, the thing that people love about movies 
the reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we've watched enough where we were had these, some something happened to us when we were younger where we were transformed, meaning that mentally something transformed us. So the experience of watching our movie has to have some sort of transformation for the audience. And so we have to th really dig down deep and say, what kind of value do I offer or what, my, what value does my film offer? Does it transform? And this really speaks true to like the more the genre films. If you're making a horror film, a comedy or whatever, um, does it transform the audience? And like take them through a journey where they um, they feel like they didn't waste you know like whatever an hour and a half two hours of their life wasn't sucked out of the, you know sucked from them. <laughs> so um, what do we got here? Is that it? I think that might be it. Do I need to make the shush noise? I think the shush noise. The shush noise. <laughs> yeah. Right, let me go back to uh, this. Get back to the beginning. Oh, well, this is kind of fun. Oh, here we go. Boom. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've hit about the hour mark because oh, – here we go. Uh, whew, I'm back. So we hit it, We hit about the hour mark and because I have completely screwed up the uh, setup, the Hangout broadcast on air part. So I'm going to have to shoot everybody this proper link so they can catch up with what we saw. I really wanted to have an opportunity to, to enact the uh, – um, chat option with everybody, but I'll figure that out. This is the maiden voyage, you know. We'll get it working. So the cool thing is, eventually I want to have one of these uh, um, hangouts set up where we have a multiple um, filmmakers in the hangout. So we, then we could have discussions, so people can see like a question being answered, uh, asked, and then we could try our best to answer it with some real-world practical advice that's specific to whatever film project they have. And uh, just keep it going to see if we can't, you know, build up this community and try to help each other uh, explore the, the marketing end of things. That will be awesome, man. And I, I you know, I just want to take a little minute here and say I really, uh, you know, appreciate everything you do. And, um, you know, keep going, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, you know, guys like you and, uh, you know, Jason Brubaker and uh, who are really, I think, you know, helping the, you know, the next generation of filmmakers um, who are, I absolutely agree with you, it's, you know, it's no longer um, an issue of how to make a movie, you know, I don't think, because the tools are there, um, it, the accessibility, it's, you know, it's there, but absolutely, what do you do after you make it? That's, you know, the next uh, frontier that we need to uh, conquer, so I absolutely, you know, I want to, you know, thank you. For, for doing all, all these things. And uh, I know there's tons of people out there who feel the same way. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're, I think we are right now where, you know, the pod, the tech podcasting community was maybe, I don't know, five years ago. Um, I'm a big fan of, I don't know if you watched the Twit Network, uh, Leo Laporte and... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big tech nerd. And, um, you know, this is, I think they're a little ahead of us. Um, but, you know, they're figuring things out, too. But, uh, you know, it's still this this very fresh um, stage where uh, there's not a lot of rules, but that's what's exciting. And uh, that's why, you know, you know, if we work together, we'll we'll figure it out, man. You know, we don't we don't need uh, all the we certainly don't need the, the structure of the of the old school <laughs> filmmaking world, which obviously isn't uh, going um, the way it you know it should so um, yeah 
I guess so. That's what I kind of felt like saying. <laughs> well, hey, thank you. And, you, you know, to reiterate what you just said, it's true. Uh, film production is longer, no longer a barrier mm-hmm. because we can make films for nothing. Both of us have, you know, proven that, and we're not the only ones. I mean, it's been, been done years before us, you know, but as a large scale of, of artists being able to have the tools in front of them to make something so inexpensively is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then just this past year, really, film distribution is no longer a barrier. When mm-hmm. all these different platforms start showing up where you can just literally just throw your film up online and start selling it to an audience directly um, without any middleman involved, because um, I was already floored that there was even that anybody can just pay an aggregator like you wouldn't there was just no need for a distribution company um, you know per se to to get your movie onto a platform where people can access it uh, around the world and and pay for it to see your stuff it was really just it happened less than a year uh, over, the, over the course of the past the last year so yeah. all this stuff is bad new yeah, Vimeo on demand and VHX both—they just celebrated their one-year anniversary uh, in the last few months, I think. I got an email from both of them. You know, one of those. Yeah. Um, blog posts, and I was like, "Wow, you're right. It's uh, in one year." Uh, I, I remember when I was looking into. Um, so I I shot my movie in 2012, and then you know I did the whole festival thing, and then in 2013, I think it was early 2013, I started to look into. Um, things like distributor for example and all that and see how the hell am I going to get this movie out and you know then I discovered Vimeo on demand and then later on VHX and I was like it can't be that easy literally my my response was it cannot be this easy there, there has to be something what do you want from me <laughs> do you want my blood you, you want something I know <laughs> but nope it was that easy and that is just it's a heaven you know, it's. It reminds me of the day when I bought my first. I'm sure you had a similar experience. When I bought my first uh, camcorder, you know, and I started shooting. And then, you know, you start editing and all, and you go, "Wow." I mean, sure, it wasn't the greatest quality back then, but I was like, I can do this on the fly. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's absolutely. I agree. It's it's amazing how much has changed in just one year. Yeah, and so you know, we have those things now. It's like. Production, distribution, not a barrier. And as you know, like I said, Jason Brubaker was saying that our new business is a audience, or building your audience, or maintaining your audience. And as I like to call it, you're serving your audience. You are you are no longer thinking about yourself. You are a servant to your audience, whoever that fan base fan base might be. So really, the last barrier for all of us as artists that we've seen happen with uh, independent authors, because anybody can write an ebook and sell it on Amazon, but those who can reach a larger audience um, still need marketing. Um, you know, musicians can record amazing sound, sounding albums and songs from their laptop in their, in their living room and then sell it directly through SoundCloud or whatever it is, or they can even upload it to iTunes, you know? So filmmakers, because of, for so long it's been that it's been so expensive and it's, it's very collaborative, um, there is, I think, a rise of uh, filmmakers who can just kind of do it on their own for very cheap, um, but they still need the marketing part of it. And so this is what all this stuff is designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the bottom line is, again, is, is we've got to serve our audience, but we got to find that audience. And for you, hopefully that checklist, you know, uh, will help. And I'll send that 
out to you uh, so you can at least have a form of it. But um, let's wrap this up real quick. Before I do, hey, it's time to plug away. Why don't you share us what you got going and where people can find more about you and your movie? Sure. Yeah. So um, if you go to livinglifewaitingtodie.com, it's uh, just right down here somewhere. Um, that's my movie. So you can uh, you can check out the trailer. There's a there's a few videos on there, and you can also watch eight minutes of it for free uh, if you sign up for my newsletter. So um, you know, check it out, and um, you know, would love to get your feedback. Um, there's there's a bunch of options. You can rent it. You can purchase it. I have also a special edition. Where I have um, you know audio commentary where I talk about um, yeah all the things I did wrong. <laughs> so uh, yeah, check it out and um, also check out my blog filmmakingtoday.com. Uh, That's where you know pretty much where all where I post all my uh, uh, blogs and how tos and uh, pretty much anything that I'm you know doing in terms of production and uh, those kinds of things. And um, just add me on any. Pretty much all the main social medias, just type in my name. Um, it's, I know it's not the easiest name. <laughs> Bobby Andulabic. And, uh, yeah, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Google+. Absolutely. Would love to connect and, um, you know. Oh, and uh, also I just uh, recently finished a 14-page um, a manual, book, whatever you want to call it, which I'm giving away as well uh, if you sign up for my newsletter and it's uh, it's all about um, how to make a movie in your own living room so all the things that I used the techniques and tricks to uh, make a movie for four thousand dollars mostly said in my own living room which is when you open that door right in there right in there <laughs> so uh, yeah check it out and uh, like I said if you got any comments always uh, feel free to message me I'm, uh, I'm pretty good at getting back you know within a you know, 48 hours, I guess, or, you know, sooner. So, uh, yeah, and again, thanks uh, thanks to you, Jay, um, Scott, sorry. I was thinking Jason. <laughs> I, I know way too many Jasons. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, really thank you uh, for, for doing all this, and I really appreciate it, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, really great uh, getting to know you, and, um, you know, um, and again, if it wasn't for Google+, social media, we would have never met because um, I think we met on um, Sherry uh, Candler, Candler, sorry, yeah. announced it That's on right. her, um, yeah, on her marketing um, um, community, right? Yeah, so we we met at um, Sherry Candler's um, internet, no, independent marketing uh, community, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, she, it was just because you were asking questions, and uh, I think I was one of maybe three people that were answering. <laughs> yeah. So again, that was a situation. We're at a party, you know. It, we're at this community, and it was a party, and we weren't selling anything. You were just asking a question, and you know, of the thousand plus members she had, there was only a handful of people that you know chimed in to just be like, not being lame, not 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 being lame, and seemed like I wasn't being lame of like, hey, you know, check this out or check my stuff out. It was being human. You were asking a question. I think I could help. Or put my point of view into it, or, or direct you someplace, and that's how we connected. And just over time, you know, you know, as you launched your film and I was launching my film, it was just one of those things that well, we had shared interest. And um, yeah, it was really cool. So I'll be make sure I'll make I'll make sure to put the links to all your stuff at the bottom of sort of the YouTube channel. You know, once this go, gets posted live to YouTube, and 
for me, um, what I do is I give away a free uh, equipment list of like all the gear that I use to make uh, my feature film with no crew, and you can get that at freegearguide.com, and I'll put that into the links below of the YouTube channel. And um, uh, as well as – sorry. Uh, oh, go ahead. On that note, I just want to say it is an awesome guide. I've read it, and believe me, it is detailed. Man, I was like, holy that is very detailed. So uh, anyone who's starting off um, in film, or you know, if you're um, sort of on the on the level where you want to take it to the next level, read that thing. I'm serious. Sorry. <laughs> no thanks. I, well, it's funny. All that it really is is just an equipment list. Like, but it tells you about what each equipment, what you do with it. And I know that people love that kind of stuff because, you know, we all love the issues when the gear guide come out. In fact, I just got like B&H video photos um, catalog they send out whatever like fall or spring or something. And all it is is this big book that just contains of like all the gear and you just get you sal salivate over it like, oh, this is awesome. So, uh, <laughs> so, you, can get, so you can get that, my version of what, what I use at freegearguide.com as well as I'm going to put another link to um, – how to sell and distribute your movie. Um, it's a program that Jason Brubaker put together that uh, that you and I both uh, paid for and have applied to the selling of our films online. So it's uh, it's worth checking out, and I'll leave that link down on the YouTube channel. But other than that, hey, we got through our maiden voyage. It's going to be a lot better moving forward. We'll get the sound effects, music, and I'll actually figure out how to properly set up a live event with Hangouts on the air. Anyhow, we made it through. I don't know how many people actually saw this or will see this, but um, we'll, But once it's finished, we'll have a link and we can share with other people. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I love that. And and again, going back to what we just talked about, look how sure we had some you know minor technical glitches, but man, we just broadcasted to the whole world from our homes, from our computers. I mean, I could have done it from my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That is power, and that is amazing. Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> well, once you uh, once you sign off and say say goodbye to everybody, or uh, and then um, we'll we'll close out. All right, guys. So again, thank you very much for watching. And uh, yeah, if you got any questions, just let me know. And um, take care. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Boyan. Did I say that right? I yes. Right. <laughs> Boyan. <laughs> I have a, I actually have a hard time with the English language. Um, my mom's from Thailand, and I grew up making fun of her my entire life because she has broken English, and so karma has come back, and I can't even speak English anymore. <laughs> I hear that English is my third language. <laughs> third, dude. There's way too many languages up here. It's just nuts. That was too funny. <laughs> All right, well, I'll leave it with the screenshot, and we'll close out. Thanks, everybody, and, um, yeah, we'll do it again next week, and we'll get even better and better each week. 